Good morning. Uh, I'm Donna Quinn, and for the next half hour, you'll be listening to Talk of Our Towns. Today, we're trying a new technology. We are on a conference call with two guests, and uh, Dylan at the station is hopefully making this work. There might be a slight delay when we're having our conversation, so thank you for being patient as we do this live uh, homegrown radio. So um, today we are going to be talking about the Cape Falcon Marine Reserve. We'll find out where it's located, why it is important. It's actually a park in the ocean, a, um, a living laboratory where people where we study the ocean for scientific research. Anyway, we're going to find out a lot about that and about the other uh, marine reserves and and how the Friends of Cape Falcon our uh, Marine Reserve are working with the Portland Audubon Society. So today on the phone, I have Margaret Minnick. Margaret is the coordinator for Friends of Cape Falcon Marine Reserve. Good morning, Margaret. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Delighted that you're on the phone. And we also have Joe Liebezite. Joe is a staff scientist and avian conservation manager for Portland Audubon Society. Hi, Joe. Great to be here. Thanks for the invite. Absolutely. Glad to have you. Um, before we talk about what a marine reserve is and how your organizations work together, um, let's learn a little bit about each of you, please. I'm sure our listening audience would love to know. So, Margaret Minnick, please tell us a bit about yourself. All right. Um, so, I live in beautiful Astoria, Oregon, just up the hill from the uh, radio station. And I've been here for about two and a half years, but I was actually born and raised in Berkeley, California, in a family that really loved the Pacific Coast and the Rocky Headlands and the beaches, of course. So we're definitely more of a more of a coast family than a than a mountain family down there. And um, I had I actually had a career in website development before I switched over to the environmental field, which is really a lot more near and dear to my heart, and I went back to school and got a master's degree in natural resources from Oregon State University. I've worked for a couple of environmental consulting firms and also for the state of California's environmental agency. And then when I first moved up here, I worked for the wonderful, wonderful Haystack Rock Awareness Program in Cannon Beach, and that was fantastic. And now I've been the coordinator at Friends of Cape Falcon Marine Reserve, for about a year and a half, which is also a wonderful, wonderful role to be in. And I just feel really lucky to live in this beautiful place and be able to work on ocean conservation. Oh, thank you, Margaret. And we'll find out more about the Friends of Cape Falcon uh, in a moment. And Joe Liebesite in Portland with Portland Audubon Society, please tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, um, I grew up actually on the East Coast in New Jersey, in a, basically a suburb of New York City. And uh, even though it was a suburb, I uh, really was enthralled ever since I can remember on just finding, exploring the little natural areas, pockets of natural areas in my neighborhood, and really getting drawn to birds um, ever since I've been a little kid. And my parents were very supportive of that. I ended up going to um, get my undergrad degree up in New Hampshire, University of New Hampshire. And then made my way out west uh, back in the 90s and um, went to got my master's degree um, at uh, Humboldt State uh, University in Northern California. Did a lot of field 
jobs on different um, in different parts of the country, and um, I worked for about 12 years um, up in Arctic Alaska studying shorebirds um, and looking at impacts to them up there and trying to protect areas for them. And then uh, uh, seven years ago, I started with uh, Portland Audubon, and uh, I've uh, lived in the Northwest since the late 90s. I've been in Portland uh, for about 15 years now, and uh, yeah, I enjoy the Northwest and uh, forward to talking to you more today about my experiences uh, working with uh, Margaret and others on the North Coast. Thank you, Joe. And Margaret, what is the Friends of Cape Falcon Marine Reserve? What is a marine reserve? How many do we have in Oregon? Who else has them? Please give us um, the uh, foundational information we need to understand this. Um, all right. So um, Friends of Cape Falcon Marine Reserve is a community group, and actually each of Oregon's marine reserves has one of these community groups. And what we do is we create awareness and understanding of Oregon's marine reserves. Um, and for us, in particular, the Cape Falcon Marine Reserve, which is located off of Oswald West State Park between Cannon Beach and Manzanita. Um, so our work at the Friends of Cape Falcon uh, supports ODFNW, the Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife, who actually manage the marine reserves. Um, but our support role is to do outreach and community science that um, that the folks at ODFNW don't have the capacity to do. So we do our work through outreach events like um, educational hikes and speaker series, and then also through community science projects such as um, what we do at annual BioBlitz, and then we also support uh, Portland Audubon's seabird monitoring project. So we are um, composed of members of other conservation organizations um, in the state and on the coast, local citizens, and, um, and we're fiscally sponsored by the Lower Nehalem Community Trust, which is a land trust that is based in Manzanita. So I mentioned that there are five marine reserves in Oregon. These are in our state-managed coastal waters. And um, those coastal waters are called the Territorial Sea, and that goes out three miles from shore. And actually, historically, the reason it's three miles from shore is because like, that's how far you could shoot a cannon out into the ocean, and that's about where the horizon is. So it's kind of like what you could defend from land, which is kind of interesting tidbit. <laughs> um, so the, the marine reserve sites themselves are designated for um, conservation of marine habitat. Um, and the kind of amazing biodiversity that we have on Oregon's coast is really pretty remarkable out here. And then also as places to do scientific research. And um, the, other, the other four marine reserves are located down the, court, uh, down the coast. Um, there's Cascade Head, which is near Lincoln City. There's Cape Perpetua near Yaha. There's Otter Rock, which is near Newport. And then there's also Redfish Rocks down near Port Burford. So we have the only marine reserve on the north coast at Cape Falcon. That's right. And Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife manages it. And a marine reserve is different from a marine protected area. What is the difference between those two? Yeah, so um, in... Um, so a marine, a marine reserve is basically a no-take area. So in the marine reserve, 
all removal of marine life is prohibited um, and ocean development is prohibited. And then in the marine protected areas, some, um, some take is allowed. So that means um, in one of the marine protected areas associated with Cape Falcon, um, you're allowed to do salmon fishing by troll and crabbing. And then in another one that's along the beach in Falcon Cove, that allows for recreational fishing by hook and line from the sandy beach. And I know when we've talked before, we've, we've discussed how important this living laboratory is to study the ocean for the scientific research so we can, you know, look at how we conserve, you know, the habitat, the biodiversity of the plant species, the wildlife, um, and how that affects the overall health of the ocean. And I think Cape Falcon, you said, has been in existence since 2016, and California has had marine reserves longer than we have, and they are doing very well and finding them to be extremely important in understanding uh, ocean, uh, habitat, water quality, all of these things. Right, yeah. Um, so particularly in Oregon, um, the research that was done to, that is being done uh, to plan and manage the five marine reserves is kind of changing, uh, giving us a view that we really never had before. So in the past, we didn't really know much about Oregon's nearshore ocean environment, and that's partly because the ocean here is so energetic and the coast is a bit inhospitable, so it's not the greatest place to do research, but the effort that's gone into um, planning the marine reserves and um, some comparison sites that we use in, um, or that ODSW uses in their ecological research has given us a lot more information on um, fish and invertebrate species and also um, the sea algae, the seaweed, as well as the socioeconomic impacts of marine reserves. Um, and so that's given us a lot of really amazing underwater uh, footage of animals that you can see on the Marine Reserves website and, um, and also just given us a lot more understanding that then is used to make the management plans for the marine reserves and for the coastline as a whole because if you don't know what animals live out there and how they're doing, then you don't know how to manage it as well as you might. Um, one interesting point, though, is that Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife doesn't do research on seabirds, and that's where Portland Audubon projects come in. That was my next question. Thank you. And that is, <laughs> how does Portland Audubon Society work with Cape Falcon Marine Reserve? Joe, do you want to take that? Sure. Um, maybe just a little bit of background on, on Portland Audubon. We've been around since 1902, so we're one of the oldest conservation organizations in, in Oregon, and we do statewide conservation work from eastern Oregon all the way to the coast, and including in the urban uh, Portland metro region as well. Um, so um, specifically with Cape Falcon, um, we, uh, we do, you know, coastwide work um, and are engaged in a number of marine uh, conservation issues, and, you know, one of them, of course, is the marine reserves. Um, there's a number of other issues we're working on as well, which I can talk on more later if we have time, but Focusing in on the marine reserves, um, you know, our efforts are to, um, you know, uh, promote them, the fact that they exist, and why they're important. And I think you, I think Margaret really touched on those importances there about how we're learning a lot more about um, the ocean by just having them there, and they're kind of an experimental laboratory in the ocean that 
agencies like ODFW and others can use to, to, to understand um, marine life. And for Audubon, we recognize that um, Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife did not have the capacity to kind of uh, look at the seabirds and other bird life um, with respect to marine reserves. They are, are spending um, most of their time looking under the water at um, you know, fish and invertebrates and other important communities like that. So we saw that as an opportunity for us to, um, to, to start exploring um, seabirds and other, other uh, avian wildlife uh, with a number of the groups on the coast. And, um, you know, it's kind of a mutual thing where um, we're interested in engaging with the public on the coast and also learning about seabirds and it's a great fit with um, Friends of Cape Falcon because they are engaged and have a local base of folks in the, in the, uh, on the North Coast that um, we work together on, um, again, learning about seabirds and um, outreaching to the public on them because, you know, there's a lot of people in Oregon that don't know that the marine reserves exist, and um, it's important that people know that they, they're there and, and why they're there. What are the... What is the importance of Oregon seabirds and shorebirds, and what is threatening to them? And I want us to highlight some of the seabirds and shorebirds and the distinctions between them. But at the moment, you know, they're a vital part of the ecosystem, and but they are there are threats to the birds. Right, um, seabirds. Um, well, first of all, maybe just to tell you the distinction between a seabird and a shorebird. So a seabird um, are, are birds that um, spend most of their life out at sea, some of them over the, over the open ocean for parts of their um, life uh, cycle. And that's things like um, common murres and albatross and um, uh, pigeon guillemots and, and gulls and cormorants. Um, whereas a shorebird, um, shorebirds are species included in groups like the plovers, and sandpipers, and they spend more of their time along the water's edge foraging um, rather than being out in the open ocean. And um, both of those groups of, of birds are, are kind of living indicators of the health of the ecosystems they live in. So um, if seabirds are not doing well uh, or shorebirds are not doing well, it's likely an indicator that the habitats they're depending on are not doing well either. And you know, that gets into some of the challenges and threats they're facing. And seabirds, unfortunately, are um, a group of birds, of all group birds, groups of bird um, species. The seabird group is one of the most threatened, and their populations worldwide have, have declined dramatically over, um, over the decades. And that has been tied to a number of, of challenges they face. One of them is, um, is overfishing, and that's not necessarily in Oregon state waters alone. It's, it's worldwide. Um, and a lot of that has to do with um, fishing for more and more for what, what are called forage fish species. Those are things like sardine and anchovies. And um, those are particularly critical um, prey for, for seabirds. Um, and so as you know, we increase our fishing around the world for species like that. It's direct competition for seabirds that depend on them, too. Another big factor um, that affects um, seabirds and shorebirds is, is climate change. And I think a lot of people on the Oregon coast um, are familiar with this phenomenon that's more recently uh, uh, called the, the warm blob. 
which is basically um, back in 2013-14, the surface waters of the North Pacific started to really warm up a lot. And um, that's been uh, pretty negative for a lot of seabirds. And the, the cause of that is there's a number of different factors that have caused that warming. And, you know, part of it is driven by climate change. Part of it is by the cycle, the changing in patterns of cycling of water in the ocean. Um, but that has basically led to um, a hampering of nutrient-rich water from lower in the from bottom level water from getting up into the top level, and that's really important. That cycling of nutrients in the um, off of our coast is really important for um, feeding the things like phytoplankton and zooplankton, which in turn feed small fish and big fish and go up the food chain to things like birds and uh, seabirds and, and marine mammals. So. With that warm blob occurrence, it's, you know, created, it's been making it harder for birds like to find food. And, uh, and so there have been some massive um, uh, die-offs of, of birds, particularly young birds that are born in the summer, and then they go out to find food, and they, they go hungry, basically, and they wash up on our beaches. So I think some folks in the, that are listening uh, right now out, out on the radio will, will be familiar with this phenomenon. It's a really a big concern. And uh, so those are some of the... Some of the big factors there are other things as well um, that are, are impacting seabirds. And so that's why we are, we're studying them. We want to know how their populations are doing and um, how we can help them. And I like that you have a citizen scientists helping you with that. I, I think sometimes we take seabirds and shorebirds for granted. We think there are so many, oh, there are so many gulls and all of that, and they're all seagulls, well, they're not. But um, let me do a quick station ID. Um, if you've just tuned in, you're listening to Talk of Our Towns. I'm your host, Donna Quinn. Today I'm talking uh, with Margaret Minnick. She is the coordinator of uh, the Friends of Cape Falcon Marine Reserve. And we also have Joe Liebesite on the phone from Portland. He is a staff scientist and the avian conservation manager for Portland Audubon Society. And we're talking about the Cape Falcon Marine Reserve, which is uh, right off of Oswald State Park between Cannon Beach, Oregon, and Manzanita, Oregon, on the north coast of Oregon. And why these living laboratories are so vital. Um, and you have a couple of upcoming uh, online events. I, I'd like us to briefly talk about that and then maybe go back and talk a little bit more about seabirds and shorebirds, because I think a lot of people are fascinated by, by birds. So what is happening on June 6th and 13th? There's a seabird monitoring training from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., and that's this Saturday, June 6th. Could you please tell us about that? Sure. Um, so uh, we're doing two seabird uh, trainings, um, and it's going to be broken down into basically two segments um, with some guest speakers as well. So the first training this coming Saturday at 10 to noon will be focused on the Cape Falcon Marine Reserve, and Margaret will um, get on at the start of the training and talk about um, Cape Falcon and, and the work we're doing, kind of like she's doing now. And then we'll get into the uh, first module of training, which will really focus just on like the life history of um, seabirds and where they occur and the challenges they face. And um, we'll also likely have a guest appearance by... Um, Kari Hennigsgaard from um, Haystack Rock Awareness Program, and she'll be out in the field actually at Haystack Rock, and we're going to switch over to her during our Zoom call if the technology works. And she'll talk, she'll show us Haystack Rock and talk about the monitoring that they are doing as part of this effort. 
And then the second half of the workshop, the last, you know, 45 minutes or hour or so, will really focus in the nuts and bolts of how we actually do the monitoring of seabirds, how we get people, um, uh, community members, to come out and help us uh, monitor the nests of these seabirds, which nest on the rocky cliffs uh, at Cape Falcon. And um, one of our, you know, our goals with that monitoring um, is to monitor for what we call nesting success, is the how and basically it's like monitoring a bunch of nests on the rock and seeing how many of them are successfully fledging young and how many are not and that of course over many years can let us know the population trajectory of birds and just how they're doing um in in the general area and, uh, and focusing i'm sorry there'll be another training the on june 13th um and that one will be focused at cape perpetua which is the other marine reserve down the central coast um, where we're collaborating down there with some local partners, and it's very similar. It's a related project. Both sites are part of the same work. I yeah, and I think Margaret mentioned that you were going to be focusing on cormorants. And how do people sign up if they are interested in learning about the seabird monitoring training uh, happening this Saturday and then the following Saturday from 10 to 12 online? Um, I, you have to go to uh, the website to sign up, and I know that. The Friends of Cape Falcon Marine Reserve website is, is nahalemtrust.org, and, and then, of course, there's the Portland Audubon Society, audubonportland.org. So explain the process by which someone would sign up if they say, I would like to learn about the seabird monitoring training, and then maybe I can actually be a citizen scientist and volunteer. Yeah, um, there are different ways. To, the, the best ways to sign up are probably one is to reach out to our, our field coordinator. Um, her name is Frances Buchanan, and her email is asopcoastalbirds at gmail.com. That's asopcoastalbirds, all one word, at gmail.com. And um, she will get you um, signed up, RSVP'd on our list for the training and then we'll send out a Zoom invite um, before the uh, before the training. The other way is to go to our website, as you mentioned. You just if you just Google Portland Audubon, you'll you'll go right to our website, and then go to the events tab, and then look for you know events coming up, and uh, you'll see the, uh, the Seabird training coming up on June 6th, and the other one on June 13th. And you can join either one. If you can't make the one on Saturday, you can do the one on uh, um, next Saturday because it covers a lot of the same material. And uh, you'll see a link there again to that same email for Francis and more information on the on the work. Okay, and and then on June eighth, there's actually a webinar on Oregon's marine reserves, hosted by the Friends of Cape Falcon, Oregon Shores Coast Watch, and that's from eleven to noon on June eighth. Margaret, do you want to tell us a teeny bit about that? And I did, by the way, go to the uh, Portland Audubon Society website last night. Also, I went to the I went to the Seabird, you know, quality monitoring page, the community science page. It was fascinating. And then I watched the video um, about, the, it's just a few minutes, on Cape Falcon Marine Reserve, and that was through the NahalemTrust.org website. Um, so, and then there's YouTube video, Oregon's Amazing Ocean. I mean, so much you can learn just right, you know, in your living room. Um, but, Margaret, why don't you tell us a little bit about the June 8th webinar yeah, um, the June 8th webinar is for anyone who's interested in learning more about Oregon's marine reserves, just like what they are, where they are, what lives in those marine reserves, and then also how volunteers can get involved. Um, so if anyone is interested in joining that webinar on Monday, which is also World Oceans Day, they can contact Jesse Jones 
from uh, Oregon Shores Coast Watch, and her email is jessie at oregonshores.org. Oh, wonderful. I love Jessie, and uh, that's just great. Thank you, Margaret. And we only have a few minutes left, and I know that there are a couple of things that, that we can do to help protect our ocean. Um, and so I want to give you all each a chance to have a couple of minutes to say any last things you would like the listening audience to know about marine reserves and about how we can uh, contribute to the health of the ocean, which is our backyard here um, on the North Coast. Well, for all people, the coast belongs to everyone, of course. Yeah, from from my point of view, from Friends of Cape Falcon, um, in addition to um, anyone who wants to sign up to be a seabird monitor or do other volunteer work, that would be wonderful. But also, you can spread the word. You can tell your elected officials that um, marine conservation is important to you. You can reduce your plastic use. Um, and then also practice stewardship when you're out and about on Oregon's coast. So to make sure that you're limiting your human impact. You pack it in, pack it out, stay on trails, and stay out of those bird nesting areas on the rocks um, and other off-limits areas can really help reduce um, human impacts on seabirds and on the marine environment. And then you can also follow Cape Falcon Marine Reserve on Facebook and Instagram, visit our website, subscribe to our email newsletter, and all that good stuff. But before we wrap up, I'd love to hear um, what Joe has to say about um, anything that he'd like folks to do and um, any cool bird tidbits he might have. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, again, I appreciate the time here. There's just so much more to say uh, in a half an hour. is not a lot of time. But what I would just uh, highlight is just, again, that a great way to contribute to, to conservation and, and, and caring about your coastline is to get involved in projects like, like this one, the seabird monitoring or the black oyster catcher monitoring, which I didn't have a chance to talk about, or our pelican monitoring. Um, those are all ways that you can contribute meaningfully to gathering scientific information that we're using to help inform management. And we actually just published a, a scientific paper on a population estimate for black oyster catchers. There's a link to that on our website. But that's just one example of a case where people out there like you that are listening um, that um, – you know, may not necessarily have training as a biologist, but want to contribute, um, have meaningfully contributed and have actually gotten that information into a publication, which is now helping inform management on the ground. So I think that's really exciting. And um, I also want to just acknowledge the fact that right now the world is, is experiencing some big turmoil right now, as, as we all know. I mean, not just the COVID-19 situation, but also, you know, there's a lot of unrest in our country now. And... Um, and I just want to say that Portland Audubon, and I know that Friends of Cape Falcon and, and a lot of other groups on the coast are really inclusive, and we want to be inclusive of all people to contribute to um, this, this work we're doing, and we want to, um, you know, engage people at all levels. And um, I'll just, I guess I'll just leave it at that, that um, I think, um, you know, these kind of opportunities are, are ways to grow community, and that's something that really, really important right now in our in our situation. And uh, um, so come and uh, join our training and get more involved in, in Portland Audubon and other groups um, in your in your local area. Thank you so much, Margaret. Thank you so much, Joe. Yes, connecting with the natural world. We are part of the natural world. We're not separate. And taking care of our own backyards, 
which, you know, our oceans, our rivers, our streams, our trees, our forests, mountains, all of it, good for us, good for the planet, good for the community, good for just the highest good for all. And so thank you so much for the important work you're doing. And, again, you can Google Audubon uh, Portland. Uh, their website's audubonportland.org. Uh, the Cape Falcon Marine Reserve, you can find them on the nehalemtrust.org website. And sign up for these um, for these trainings and learn more about what's happening right here. Um, and, and, and I'd love for us to do another program sometime about the personalities of seabirds and shorebirds because I know that, they are real characters in the avian world. So um, look forward to another conversation with you all soon. Thank you so very much for all you're doing. And Dylan, thank you for making this work today. Yay, the technology worked today. And, uh, and all of you who listen and all of you who support Coast Community Radio, thank you so much, um, Dylan Hausershock, and also my, my gratitude to local talented banjo instructor Michael Bruin for his original theme music for this program. Until next week. Find a moment for yourself. In fact, let's take that moment right now together. Let's all take a very deep breath. It is so good. So good for body, mind, and spirit. And then with gratitude, focus on the things that are going well in your life. There will always be those things that aren't going well, but focus on the things that are with gratitude. And then give yourself a loving and compassionate hug, or a pat on the back for being uniquely you, for doing the best you can, because everyone really is, with the knowledge that we have, and for being here, for being here alive in this moment, the only moment that exists, the now moment, on the amazing planet we call Earth. <laughs>